0: Hello and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance where each episode I queen out on all of the acting choices, micro moments, and magic of the minutia that make a scene great. My name is Colin Drucker, your name is Barbara Bell Geddes, and we are officially into the spooky season of nuances. This is my favorite time of year on any podcast that I am doing, have done, will ever do. is when we get to October and we get to talk about horror movies. I could obviously just make this whole podcast just be be about horror movies the entire year, but I feel like it would get less special. So uh, we are in the holiday season. Uh, first things first before we do dive into the spooky topics of today's episode. Uh, I, I I don't think anybody noticed this, but if you did and na- and you listened last week and now you're listening this week, and you're seeking a sense of resolution. Uh, I mentioned, like, at the very end of the of the Meryl crying against the dishwasher episode, that I was like, "What did I need to talk about? I needed to talk about my apartment. I needed to talk about Meryl." And then I realized, you know, listening back, I am one of those podcasters who will listen to their own content just to kind of try to get into someone else's head and think of all the ways I can judge myself. Uh, and so I heard that, and I was like, "Oh, I should have edited that out because I had edited out already." Like. 10 minutes of talk about the fact that I had moved into a new apartment since we had last spoken or since I last spoke to you. Uh, and that was all at the beginning of the episode and I think when I was editing I was like, you know I don't I don't need all this this is a this is a lot. this feels extra and and I have no regrets. I think you know I, as I, I learned when I was writing as a kid you know that the advice that I had read in books or from teachers or whatever is, you know, kill your darlings, kill your babies, whatever. So I killed some babies. I killed ten minutes of babies. Um, <laughs> it's got to be a better way to say that. So anyway, uh, I guess just to uh, to conclude all this, I did in fact move into a new apartment uh, since uh, I guess a few weeks ago. So uh, it's great. I don't. It doesn't really affect the nature of this podcast. It doesn't really affect the sound quality. I think. Um, I guess the only thing I could say is. The room I used to record in in my old apartment faced the street. So maybe there might have been some street noise in the background. And now my office where I record is towards the back of the house. And you might not hear any street noise. There you go. There is the revolutionary difference. This is why me moving into a new apartment matters to you. I do love this apartment, though. If you care, I do love this apartment. Uh, Anyway, um, it's a duplex. Anyway, you know, I love I've done a couple episodes now about like music from horror movies and spooky synths and soundtrack surprises. Yes. The name of one of the episodes. I, I've talked about this on those episodes that I've always had an affinity for horror movie music. And I think because it's just, it's so melodramatic or it has room to be so melodramatic. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's probably a good enough reason, but I just love it. I love a good horror movie soundtrack. And I love a good obscure horror movie soundtrack, and most of them, I mean, most shitty slasher movies that I'd find, you know, in the easy video or the Hollywood video or West Coast video or whatever it was when I was a kid, um, had, you know, nothing special soundtracks, you know, it was just kind of somebody dropped a bag of produce on a synth and said, all right, this will do. And so I love when I find something that's a little more inspired, and I love... When it is just a truffle in the mud. You know, when it is just coming from a movie that is just not worth anyone's time. And I don't know, That's maybe that's mean. But I found, I was was scrolling through YouTube. YouTube, as you may or may not know, is just a treasure trove. I mean, truffles everywhere. Truffles everywhere and some dirt, you know. But uh, you can't have one without the other. But the the obscure things that people think to post on YouTube, I just, I think, God bless. God bless YouTube. God bless that person who posted this video. Like, what made them think, oh, I think the world needs to see this. I, I know about this, and I need to share this with other people. I, I don't know what brought them there, but God bless the journey. And so... I found, I mean, you know, back in the day when I used to just peruse these horror movie review blogs, you know, like The Terror Trap and Hysteria Lives, and of course, Final Girl, uh, written by Gaylord herself, Stacey Ponder, uh, of Gaylords of Darkness, as you may know, one of my favorite podcasts, Let Me Not Go Another Minute Without Recommending, Gaylords of Darkness, continues to be gold standard of podcasts, gold standard of gay horror podcasts, Stacey and Anthony are uh, they're just so great, so uh, I, I can't I can't not just give them a little bit of love every episode. But um, I I remember like just reading reviews of these just like bizarre obscure horror movies that if they weren't in the local blockbuster video or the local West Coast video or whatever, I wasn't gonna see them. And so as much as I'd know about them is what these reviewers wrote, or seeing you know some still images or you know the box cover, but like. Never a video, never any audio. I didn't have any real like sense of, of what the movie was like. And so YouTube has kind of resolved a lot of that for me in finding movies. It was like, oh, I always wanted to see like, not maybe not even see that whole movie. I always just wanted to like, just get a feeling of what is it, what goes on like 45 minutes in? Like sometimes I don't want to watch the whole thing. I will just jump to different moments in the movie and then I'll watch the ending. And I just want to have that, that thing where, like, I know three things about it, you know? That's been kind of my credo in life is I think if you can if you can talk about three different talking points on a topic, then you, uh, you can skate by a dinner party pretty seamlessly um. in case you're ever in that situation. And so in this recent perusal, now that we're in October and I'm looking for new spooky movies to watch, things to maybe talk about on this podcast, things to just kind of, you know, uh, keep the good times going in, you know, in lockdown. I mean, like what's Halloween going to be this year? Uh, let's not even talk about it. Um, I stumbled across this movie called lunch meat. And I had never heard of lunch meat. Lunch meat is, is apparently from 1987. It is a shot on video horror movie. It is very clearly heavily inspired by the Texas chainsaw massacre and the hills have eyes. It's a, It's, I have, I'm going to tell you this up front. I, I did one of those, you know, jump around things with lunch meat. I did not indulge in all, you know, 87 minutes of lunch meat. There's only so much lunch meat that one can stomach. And I, it, it's, yeah. And I think if you ever, if you find it, I'm going to put the link to it in the description. You'll understand that this is just a bit of an endurance test. So, You know, six kids, six college kids or high school kids, you know, the casting, it's like, you know, half of them, half of them are married in the suburbs with three kids playing a junior in high school, but they uh, are on a road trip. This may sound familiar. They stop somewhere to get some lunch and they run afoul of a crazy cannibal family who kills people to make food, to make lunch meat, I guess, if you will. And then things kind of follow, I would assume, the natural trajectory of these things, and, and people are killed one by one. And then most of the movie, I mean, what what's interesting about it is it all seems to take place in one afternoon. It's it's, And I do kind of love that. I do love a movie where everything happens pretty much during the day. I think that's pretty creepy and original, and it's probably also just reflective of... The fact that they probably couldn't film this movie at night because they didn't have the lighting for it. Because it's clearly, it is shot on video. And at least, I mean, there may be, I, don't, I can't imagine some cleaned up copy somewhere, but the copies that I found on YouTube are shot on video, recorded onto VHS, and then someone grabbed their father's camcorder from 1994 and recorded the television playing Lunch Meat. And then that somehow eventually found its way onto YouTube. So it's it's a little warped, but it does the job. And so what I'm intrigued by with Lunch Meat is not necessarily any of what happens in it until the end. Uh, the ending is such a direct inspiration of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, I, you know, I, I love the flavor of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So if something has the flavor of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even if it's not itself, you know... Uh, high cuisine, I'm still going to have a couple of bites. I'm still going to mildly enjoy it. You know what I mean? This lunch meat tastes like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so at the end of the movie, there's one girl left, Roxy. Roxy, who in the entire movie is wearing denim jeans. I don't know, as opposed to satin jeans. And like this, this printed sweatshirt that it looks like it has, it's white with like black paw prints on it. Like black, like badger prints. I don't know. In any event, Roxy is the last survivor. She, much like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, she's chased out to the main road by the, the, the the family member with the lowest IQ. It's this sort of, um, Bubba looking figure who, who has a chicken in a cage while he's chasing her. So, that's original. Chases her out to the main road. Now these people are supposedly in the middle of nowhere. But, Roxy gets out to the main road and, like, immediately... And I get what they were doing in their head here. But immediately, there's, like, cars coming, like, swerving around her and and this Bubba type chasing her. Nobody's stopping. Uh, I love that it's, like, within the span of a minute, I think four cars drive by. So, you know, there's that Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing of of Sally getting out to the main road. And then the, the truck driver comes. And then there's the pickup truck. But... This this was clearly like okay let's do a version of that but hey can you borrow your mom's car and can you bring your car and can we maybe rent one more and then y'all wait off camera and when I wave you through drive through the shot and try not to hit Roxy you know that's that's kind of how it ends up looking and so somehow this the, the these cars driving by Bubba gets a little he somehow he loses her. I mean she's she's running up the main road at four o'clock in the afternoon. And there's no missing the Paw print sweatshirt. But and she's not going very fast. She is stumbling along, but he loses her somehow and there's a bit of a throwing a a, a stick on the ground and a bit of a I, I lost her. And then a car stops and this guy gets out and through the open hatchback of his car pulls out a rifle and turns and aims it at Bubba and Bubba runs away. Now my expectation, given the flavors of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I'm getting, I would have expected an ending where that guy then picked up Roxy and got her the hell out of, you know, Oscar Meyerville. But that doesn't happen. The the movie then goes back to Roxy just running away up the road struggling through it. I, I have to imagine another car is going to come considering the traffic we just saw in the last minute and a half. And and I'm kind of waiting for something to happen here. Like I'm thinking, this how, how are we going to end this? Like what's going to happen? And so there's shots of her running up the road. There's a bit of a close-up of the anguished look on her face as she's running. And then the last shot is from behind as she's running away up the road, running, stumbling, you know, uh, kind of, hobbling away up the road which now seems to have no traffic coming so it was just a little a little surge i guess a little rush hour in in you know uh the little hamlet of of lunchmeatville uh and then it just ends and then it just ends that's it she doesn't get killed she doesn't get saved she just runs away so that's fascinating to me and maybe I don't know if that's fascinating to you having not seen it, but the reason that this is fascinating to me is it's just the mere fact that the, however a movie ends means something like at the closer you get to that moment when the credits roll, the more important I feel like every shot is and every choice is because everything that's happening in those last few seconds is also implying everything that's going to be happening after, you know, and and kind of telling the untold story and, I, and I guess with these kind of movies these these low budget shot on video movies that are mostly about displaying gore effects and you know just making a ripoff on the cheap my expectation is either to have a ripoff ending or Roxy gets killed and then the villains just kind of you know continue to live their their baloney lives and that neither of those things happen there's just kind of this in a way, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this like vaguely ambiguous ending of like, Paul, oh, yeah, it's a happy ending. But it's like, mm, I hope somebody comes by and helps her. I hope the guy with the gun turns around and goes, hey, do you need a ride to the hospital? So um, the other thing that I want to talk about with Lunch Meat, and I'm realizing I've talked a lot about Lunch Meat so far, more than I think I've ever talked about Lunch Meat in general, movie or food, is the music. Now, this is really what... This is the bread on the sandwich. Like, this is what brings it all together, is the music. So, there's an opening theme, which I think we should play here as a point of context. It's the same song, just slowed down at the end. So let's play here, as if I'm pointing to somebody. It's just me editing an audio clip after the fact. Let's play here (laughs) the opening theme of Lunch Meat, which is a sentence I just never thought I'd ever say. I I think this is like slightly better than nothing special. It's vaguely catchy. But where it really feels meaningful is the ending. And this slowed down creepy version kicks in just as Roxy is getting to the main road. So think of it as like this is what's scoring this scene that in the director's head or the writer's head. I think it's I think it's the same guy. um, Was much more dramatic and much more, you know, uh, I don't know tragic. Look at people just driving by like she's an animal. I don't know. I have no idea if there was that much thought behind lunch meat. But uh, I, I think in a weird way, this music does make this all feel like something more than just the cheesy... And if you will, lunch, meat, cheese, bologna, ham and cheese, all things like that. Uh, You can put the pun together yourself. Uh, This music is like there's something about it that's kind of beautiful. There's something about it that's vaguely like tears for fearsy. There's something about it that is sort of sad and thoughtful and oddly creepy and creepier than it realizes and better than it realizes. And I have been watching this ending over and over and over because I just can't stop thinking about the the weird ambiguity of the ending and the strangely profound music that scores it. I could be alone here, but take a listen and go watch lunch meat for God's sake. Go watch the last five minutes of lunch meat. Again, sentences I just never thought I'd say. But at the very least, let this be your entry point, is this weirdo music. this should come as no surprise to anybody, but when I find something like this that, that hits that nerve for me, that like gets in my head, I I become obsessed and I just have to like ex- explore and examine and, uh, and and get to the root of it. I got to figure out like, what, why is this? Why? And <clears throat> there's not much out there about Lunch Meat. The lead actress is the only person I think who did have a career after this Roxy is in the movie she's credited as Kim McCammy. But her, I guess, stage name is Ashlyn Gear. And apparently Ashlyn has done a lot of like softcore porn or maybe even hardcore porn. Um, But she's... Well, let's let's read her IMDB uh, profile. She was born in 1950. Oh my God! She was born on my mom's birthday. I think like a year after her. She was born on September 14th in Cherry Point, North Carolina. She's known as Kimberly Ashlyn McCarney. Oh, so I think that they spelled her name wrong in the credits, and it or it just looks like McCammy, but it's McCarney. She's an actress and a writer known for the One and Space Above and Beyond, and she's been married to Lane Parker since December third, nineteen eighty-eight. I bet you are thrilled to know about that. Lane Parker is nobody. Um, not nobody. In any event, I then had to find who did this beautiful music and. The music is credited to Rick uh, Nair, Nyer? Nayer, Nayer, N-E-I-G-H-E-R. You know, anyone who's listened to more than one episode of this podcast knows that I am not good at, at pronouncing names. But in any event, I then started to dig into Rick's career. And, and he has actually worked on a number of soundtracks, has contributed to a lot of soundtracks. And what excited me the most is that he is the producer for one of the songs on the soundtrack for Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He is the producer of the song Perfect World, which you may not know the title, but as I play the clip right now, you will know this song and you will know what part of the movie it shows up in. so, of course, listening to that, I'm thinking, oh, where's the through line? Where's the through line that Rick thought to do this, create this, this beautiful, he's the, he's the only, the only thing he's ever composed originally, according to IMDb, is the music for Lunch Meat. But somehow that talent must have carried through for him to produce this song that ended up on really, honestly, let's be honest with each other and ourselves, one of the best soundtracks, one of the best movie soundtracks ever, ever. I don't, I can't argue with you. you I will not. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead is a phenomenal soundtrack. Christina Applegate's in it. I mean, come on. Have we talked about dead to me? We've talked about dead to me. I've talked about it. I don't know if you've talked about it, but I've talked about it. So this, I mean, I just, I don't know what else to say. I this is such a weird topic. I did not. I I thought this was just going to be kind of an opening act to another episode, and now I've, I've I've talked about it for quite a bit. That I think this counts as being its own episode, and I will. Carry over my thoughts of what I was going to talk about today to another episode, and they'll just be extra episodes, extra little tidbits um, during this spooky month of nuances in October. Um, so, yeah, I hope this was somehow educational to you, that you learned about a movie called Lunch Meat. I can't imagine there's anyone out there who is the, like the, the, the Venn diagram of people who've seen Lunch Meat and people who listen to this podcast and then one more circle for would would reach out to me and say yes i have and i'm okay, and i'm interested in emailing with you about it you know what i mean like uh you know or or i'll tweet at you about it like if you are one of those people who somehow falls in the middle of all those circles has seen lunch meet, is listening to this podcast right now and is down to let me know about it then you should and there's multiple ways to do that well like there's three you can email me at in the details pod at gmail.com. you could get in touch with me on twitter at colin drucker or you could even get in touch with me on Instagram at drucker underscore. I am so excited and I'm so proud to have kicked off this year's spooky season with lunch meat, you know, and uh, it can only go up from here because I know what's what I know what's on the calendar for the rest of the month. And I got to tell you, there is there's some more really obscure movies we're going to talk about and some really obscure performances we're going to talk about. There's one really fantastic best supporting performance that we're gonna talk about. And then there is a movie I am saving for the end of this month that is, as I mentioned before, there are things I see and they hit that nerve and I become obsessed. And I am so obsessed with this movie. And all I can say is that it is giving me hereditary in the 50s. Um, Anyway, that's all I have to say for today. Thank you for joining me uh, for this celebration of, of the nuances that I could extract from lunch meat it's been a journey and uh i'll talk to you next week all right bye i think i'll be going if you'll excuse me Ah! that's what i said i'm staying i'm staying